0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: So the Lord said, I will destroy whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now the word destroy here in verse 7, it's an important word, you should circle it here. It means to completely destroy, it means to completely wipe out. God will destroy the earth and start over again with Noah
0: and his family. Have you ever been so unhappy with the project that you just scrap it and start over? It's the curse of the artist to live so close to their creation, they can't help but take it personal. Today, Pastor Dan reminds us that when God starts over, He starts all the way over. Of the entire world, there were only eight people that he deemed worthy of grace. All else, he blotted out. God was grieving his creation because he wanted more for us. He wants more for you. Don't ignore his grace and his grief. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 6 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: I'm not going to plead with you forever. I'm not going to contend with you forever. You you can say no to God and resist his spirit so many times before God finally says, "Okay. Have it your way." I, I'm not going to strive with you anymore. I, I'm not going to contend with you anymore. I'm not going to I'm not going to try anymore. With you, If you want to just keep resisting me and resisting me and resisting me and putting me off and pushing me away and pushing me out of your life, okay, have it your way. Now, we, we don't know where that point is where God says, okay, I'm done striving with you. We don't know where that line is for each of us. And That's why the Bible says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart to him. If God speaks to you today, don't resist His Holy Spirit that is drawing you and speaking to you. Don't resist God if He's calling you. Don't push Him away again and again and again because He's not going to put up with you forever. He's not going to put up with you resisting Him forever. There's going to be a point where He says, Okay, you can have it your way. And I won't even try anymore. His spirit will not always strive with man. Now we come to verse 4, and verse 4 describes the result of the union between the fallen angels and human women from verse 2. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God, those fallen angels, those demons, came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. They were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. So these relationships now, they produce giants who were men of renown or or famous men. The word giants here is the Hebrew word nephilim. In your Bible, your translation might even say the word nephilim here. That word, it, it means the fallen ones. And so they produce this kind of superhuman race, these giants, men of renown, men of fame, who were the fallen ones. And we see giants, or Nephilim, mentioned uh, in several places in the Bible. Uh, For example, in Numbers chapter 13, when the 12 spies were sent into the promised land to travel throughout the land and spy out the land, and they came back, And they brought their report. And remember, ten of the spies had a bad report. And ten of the spies said, We saw giants in the land. And we were like grasshoppers in their sight. They saw giants in the land of Canaan. You know, there are Egyptian writings that talk about the giants that lived in the land of Canaan as well. Uh, Over in Deuteronomy chapter 2, Here the Lord speaks to the children of Israel and says to them, listen to what he says, this day you are to cross over at Ar, the boundary of Moab, and when you come near the people of Ammon, do not harass them or meddle with them, for I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon, that would be the land of Jordan today, as a possession, because I have given it to the descendants of Lot as a possession that was also regarded as a land of giants. Giants formerly dwelt there, but the Ammonites call them Zamzumim. How about that name? A people as great and numerous and tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them before them, and they dispossessed them and dwelt in their place. So it talks about in the land of Ammon, before the Ammonites. Dwelt there, there were giants that lived there that the Ammonites called the Zamzumim. The reason they called them the Zamzumim is because when the Ammonites saw them, they said, Zamzumim, look how tall those guys are. They're giants. So there were giants there. Uh, Over in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 11, it talks about Og. The King of Bashan, maybe you remember Og the King of Bashan, listen to the de- this description for only Og, King of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants, and it describes for us his bed, indeed, his bed steed, his bed, was an iron bed. Is it not an Rabba of the people of ammon it's It still existed in that day. His bed was nine cubits in length, that's over 13 feet long, and four cubits wide, six feet wide, according to the standard cubits. So that, I mean, that's a king-sized bed, 13 by six feet, huh? Then it goes on to say, The rest of Gilead and all Bashan, the kingdom of Og, I gave to half the tribe of Manasseh, all the region of Argab with all Bashan was called the land of the giants so there it says that Bashan was known as a land of the giants Bashan is uh, is in the Golan Heights today uh, and also in part of Syria today and we're told that it was the land of giants the land of giants Psalm 22 gives us a description of Jesus Christ on the cross suffering for the sins of the world. And Psalm 22 uh, gives us uh, what, the thoughts of Jesus while he was on the cross. What was going through his mind while he was on the cross. In Psalm 22, verses 12 and 13, it says, My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. Jesus describes here in Psalm 22, being surrounded by the bulls of Bashan that were like lions who were tearing into their prey. Well, you know, as well as I do, when you read the gospel accounts of the crucifixion, there's no bulls there. There's no lions there. Jesus seems to be seeing something that is in the spiritual realm taking place around his crucifixion, these these bulls of Bashan that surrounded him. Bashan was once the land of the giants. Uh, in First Samuel chapter 17, David took on Goliath of Gath, the city of Gath. And Goliath, of course, was a giant standing over nine feet tall. El- elsewhere, it talks about the sons of Goliath, it talks about the family of Goliath, who were also giants. So we know the story of David and Goliath, and Goliath was a giant. You know, last summer, archaeologists were excavating the city of Gath, and we've talked about this before, but cities in, ancient, in the ancient world, ancient Israel, cities were kind of built on top of each other and what are known as tells, or hills, mounds. Uh, And so archaeologists, they have to kind of go down layer by layer, and it's one city on top of another. And the, the further they go down, the farther back in history they go. And so archaeologists were excavating in the city of Gath, taking layer by layer, and you've got buildings and houses and everything that they excavate, and they kept going down, excavating down, all the way down to the time of David. And guess what they found? They found ginormous houses, much larger than the houses of older generations. They were just like supersized houses once they got down to the level of the time of David. So there are newspaper articles, National Geographic articles as well, from the Times of Israel, from the Jerusalem Post, that talk about the size of the houses that they built that they discovered there in the city of Gath, down at the lair of David, and so you can look those up on your own, uh, but you'll find a ton of articles about it as well. But they found cities that were much larger than normal. They found houses and buildings that were much larger than normal. that 's consistent with the story of the Bible with uh, giants dwelling in the city of Gath. So now that brings us to verse 5, Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, where it says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So the wickedness of man filled the earth, the thoughts of man's heart we on evil continually, just thinking of, of ways to do evil, thinking of ways to devise evil. Uh, all of his thoughts were consumed with evil. That is what was evil in God's eyes. It wasn't evil in man's eyes. It was evil in God's eyes.
0: We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment.
1: So download the app right now. Search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com.
0: What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth.
1: And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Now, when it says here that God was sorry, it, it doesn't mean that God was sorry because he made a mistake in creating man. It means that God was sorry to see the way that mankind had gone. And it says that it grieved his heart. God was broken hearted by mankind's sin. God will destroy the earth out of great sadness, not great anger. Don't, don't think that the The flood was the result of God's anger. His judgment was the result of his anger. No, it was out of his sadness and out of his grief that he judged the earth. So the Lord said, I will destroy whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now the word destroy here in verse 7, it's an important word, you should circle it here. It means to completely destroy, it means to completely wipe out. God will destroy the earth and start over again with Noah and his family. This Hebrew word that's translated destroy here, it is used elsewhere to describe how God completely wipes out our sin. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, the Hebrew word is translated, blots out. God says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. God blots out our transgression. He completely wipes them out. He completely destroys them. And he does not remember our sins anymore. Isn't that wonderful news? The word's also used in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 22, where it says, I have blotted out, that's the word, I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions, and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. He died on the cross in our place as our substitute. And now because of his death on the cross, All of our sins are blotted out. Everything we've ever done wrong, every mistake we've ever made, every regret, every bad decision, it's all blotted out completely by the blood of Jesus Christ and God remembers our sins no more. The tape in heaven is completely erased. Now, there are those who say that uh, the flood of Noah never really happened. That this is just figurative language here or some who say that the 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 flood was only a regional flood and and in a small area it wasn't really a global flood that destroyed everything God didn't really destroy man from the face of the earth as he says he did he will do here well if, if that's the case then what about our sin what about our sin because the exact same word is used to describe the blotting out of our sin Does that mean what God says about blotting out our sin is also figurative? Does that mean that he only blots out some of our sin, but not all of our sin? Does that that mean when he says, I I remember your sins no more, does it really mean that, that he really does remember our sins? You see, these things are important. Uh, Once again, we see that the, the words that's used here to describe the flood of Noah and the judgment of God and the flood of Noah uh, is also used to describe the sacrifice and the blotting out of our sins by God. So the, the meaning is important. Verse 8 says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know, this is the first time we find the word grace in the Bible. Noah found grace in the sight of of the Lord, this this is the genealogy of Noah, Noah was a just man, he was perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. it says, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. It, it says that Noah was just, he was righteous in his generation. doesn't mean he was sinless. it just means that he was right with God. when he sinned, he confessed his sin, and he repented of his sin. And God was faithful and just to forgive him and cleanse him of all of his unrighteousness. He walked in the light with God, not in darkness. He walked with God. Noah and his family were the only ones who walked with God. And they walked with God in a very dark, wicked world. You can walk with God in a very wicked world. You can raise a godly family in a very wicked and perverse world. Noah did it, and Mrs. Noah, and their kids. They all walked with God, despite the world that they were living in. You know, in Philippians chapter 2, it says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Noah did it. We can do it too. You know, we we don't have to be like the world. We don't have to be compromised or worldly or carnal or ungodly. We can walk with God. We can live a pure life. We can live a righteous life. We can live a holy life in our world today. Finally, now we come to verse 11 where it says, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And so God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And what does this mean to us? Well, Jesus said, And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. Jesus said when he comes back to the earth, the world will be just like it was in the days of Noah. Well, what was it like in the days of Noah? Well, we see here in chapter 6 that there was demon activity, demonic corruption in the world. We, we see that God's ordained order for marriage was, was violated uh, by these, these demonic beings. Wickedness was great on the earth. The earth was filled with violence. Uh, in verses eleven and 12, three times in just those two verses, God uh, uses the word "corrupt" to describe mankind. Uh, that that word "corrupt" it means rotten. You know, it means spoiled. Mankind was rotten. Mankind was spoiled. Mankind was ruined morally and spiritually to the point that it was beyond uh, a saving. It was past the point of of redemption. You know, like you can have a piece of fruit. Uh, that might be rotten in spots you can have an apple that's bruised and you can you can cut the bruise out of the apple and you can still eat the rest of the apple but what God's describing here is a, is a world that's just completely rotten rotten through and through that there's there's nothing that can really be uh, salvaged from it except for this one family of eight people that's the only part of the apple that's not bad the rest of it is a bad apple that you can't eat And that you can't do anything with. That was God's opinion of the world that he judged with a flood. And at, at the same time, Jesus said, in the days of Noah, people were eating and drinking and getting married. They were having parties. They were, you know, just kind of going on life as usual. All the way up, Jesus said, to the point that the flood came. In other words, in the days of Noah, mankind was completely unaware of his spiritual condition. Mankind had no idea how bad he was. Mankind had no idea how rotten he had become. And mankind just you know, went on with his life as if nothing was wrong, nothing to worry about, until the judgment came and it was too late. And mankind was caught by surprise by the judgment. And Jesus said, this will be the condition of mankind when he returns this this is where mankind is headed. this is where the world is headed, and in many ways mankind is already there. In many ways it's already like the days of Noah. but for those of us that are believers in Jesus Christ, for those of us that walk with God, we don't have to worry about the judgment to come. all of our sins were paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross, all of our sins were, were blotted out. Once and for all. And he remembers our sins no more. God hasn't appointed us to wrath. God hasn't appointed us to judgment. Those of us that have trusted Christ. Jesus said when you see these things begin to come to pass. Not after they've all come to pass. But when you see these things begin to come to pass. That we can look up. Because our redemption draws near. So, so, yes, we look at our world around us and we can see many similarities in our world today to the world that Noah lived in, to the world that God judged with the flood. And it just tells us, it just reminds us that Jesus is coming soon for us. And, and I don't know about you, but especially as after the last couple months, I say Maranatha. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, and take us home.
2: He asked me how I know, and I say truer than the finest crystal.
0: You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton as he teaches verse by verse through the Book of Genesis. This Old Testament book of history and the start of what God created teaches you much about God's plan for the future. We hope you'll continue to tune in for Pastor Dan's studies. If you ever have any questions about what you've heard or would like someone to pray with, would you give us a call? You can reach us by calling 410-491-4592. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. You can also fill out the prayer request form at calvaryec.com. Just click on the Connect tab to access it. We'd love to meet you in person, too. If you're in Columbia, Maryland, please join us this weekend for worship and studying Scripture together at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. There will be time to meet your brothers and sisters in Christ, too, and to spend time in prayer. We look forward to sharing this time of worship together with you. You'll find service times and directions at our website, calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to check out additional teachings from the Bible. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Once more, that's CalvaryEC.com. That's all we have time for today. There's much more to gain through this study through the book of Genesis. So be sure to join us next time on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I
2: recognize